The Oscar goes to. And the winner is. And the Oscar goes. To... The winner is. Oscar goes to. MMOWs. Oscar race update. And we're back once again. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, bringing you your weekly Oscar race checkpoint episode on this November 16th, 2019, 12 years to the day of the debut. <laughs> Listen, this movie's not good, no. <laughs> but it's responsible for one of the best jokes I've ever heard. Riley and Jeff uh, of HeadGum, uh-huh. who we talked to earlier this year, have uh, the debut of Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, Also Mike. Also Mike here. This is like one of the first times I've enjoyed this l- little opening <laughs> misdirect yeah. that you just try to throw me off my game on, you know, every episode. Uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Who? That is a reference that should be referenced more often. Yes. Because it's just funny. It's ridiculous. What the fuck were they thinking? I Listen, you want to talk about like original properties and how no, none of them get made anymore and how we're only interested <laughs> in the franchise picture. That may have been why. Yeah, original, <laughs> let's be honest. Original properties are probably going to swing and miss at an MLB average. They're probably going to swing out and miss seven out of ten times, right? Because they're original. They were taking a stab. You weren't a fan of Mr. Megorium? This is one of those seven. <laughs> okay, fair. Fair enough. Uh, this is Oscar Race Checkpoint. This is your weekly check-in. Uh, the episode is all things Oscar-centric and award season news. If you're looking for other Hollywood news, maybe not so much with the Oscars tilt, we do that once a week as well. At the beginning of your week, we start off usually on Mondays. This coming week, it'll probably be on Tuesday, actually, but that's MMO Weekly. Oscar Race Checkpoint is our other news show. Like I said, it's all things Oscars, all things award season. And with that in mind, let's get the news rolling here, Michael. We have a host to talk about. A host for the Golden Globes, a new old host, and it's Ricky Gervais for the fifth time, Michael. Yeah, he hosted previously in 2010, 11, 12, and then surprisingly was asked back in 2016. <laughs> He's going to be doing it now for a fifth and what he says is final time. All right, let me get this out of the way first. I would have rather it been Tina and Amy. Okay. Uh, I'm still waiting, like Fair. we have been forever, for Maya Rudolph to be asked oh, yeah. to do something. She'd be wonderful. I agree. And I think Seth Meyers was brilliant when he had to go up against the Me Too movement, so I'd like to see him asked back in a less high-stakes year. I think he's earned that. Okay. Okay. That's a lot of the way. Let's get to talk about Gervais. I'm a fan of his. I'm a fan of this. And at some point in this decade, Ricky Gervais with his like delivery and his whole approach to this type of thing is just, he just stopped genuinely caring. <laughs> and he was on Colbert like a year ago and he said the reason he stopped caring is because he's like, I'm near death. What do I have to fear anymore? Like, I'm so much closer to death than I ever have been. Nobody's watching his Netflix shows. What's the big deal? You should though. That Netflix show was oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I reviewed it way a couple months ago on MMO Weekly but I liked it. But genuinely, even that's about like giving up on life and not caring and oh, going no? for a travesty. So... I, I think the whole idea, though, of that he's like this bad boy who's going to say anything and say things others won't, I think that's a little overblown, especially in 2019, because uh, comedy, I know, according to some people, is impossible if they don't want to be held accountable mm-hmm. for it, and like it's just too PC, and yet he still manages to say things to blow people away, and other people do too. So it's not really the, the taboo it once was, I feel, because every host, pretty much these days, kind of takes down the monsters that deserve being taken down, right? True, true. I- I do think, however, that the and I think the Academy and the Hollywood Foreign Press would agree with this because they're hiring guys like Ricky Gervais to host their shows. They believe that the public views their you know voting bodies 
as a bit hoity-toity, as a bit high and mighty, as a bit privileged. Briberini. You know, we've heard, you know, criticisms of our show. Why are you celebrating, you know, rich people giving awards to other rich people and beautiful people giving awards to other beautiful people? Right. Well, it, it, it makes some sense to have a comedian cutting them at the knees a little yes, bit. Yes, it does. And it, it, it's, it's good fun, and it's healthy, I think. And if industry. nothing else, like, maybe he's not so taboo as he once was, but Gervais still has the reputation of just going at someone even if they're standing right in front of them. Like, yes. he'll say it to he's Mel Gibson's fearless. face if he's, you know? I so I appreciate that. And that could be useful, certainly, with all the, the monsters we have uncovered in this industry. It totally adds a, a wild card to the award yeah. show. And usually when you hear, you know, phrases like, we can expect the unexpected, which came from, <laughs> you know, HFPA president Lorenzo Salia yeah. this week. You know, usually that's a cliche. Here, it's true. It and is. And we've seen it four times for a fifth time, I'm sure it's going to happen as well. And good for the HFPA. I mean, they were outraged, I think, I want to say, after the 2012 show or 2011, one of those 11 or 12, saying he'll never come back. They were embarrassed, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So good for them for kind of being in on the joke here and realizing that this is what people want and it gets this eyes is, to your product. So, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is a wonderful hire all around. That said, get Maya Rudolph one of these hosting gigs. I, I totally agree. She's hilarious. And recently, I've been watching Big Mouth episodes. And oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She's just killing me. In uh, that. Other hosting news, just to add on to the end of this, Alicia Keys, I saw, did get asked back to host the Grammys again. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah. I'm watching the Grammys year. again. Yeah. I don't always year. watch the Grammys. That's one of those shows like, too much music and too many people I don't know. Here's the thing about the Grammys <laughs> nowadays. It just reminds me of how old yes, I'm getting. Yes, yes. And that kind accurate. of a show, yeah. like at least with movies, like, oh, it's Robert De Niro again. <laughs> yeah. He was cool. Leo, you making Titanic 2 anytime soon? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't have to be reminded constantly you. of... You know, Loopy Manoop. I don't know who Loopy Manoop is. They came out with a great album this year, but I don't know. That's a real person? That's not a real person. I might be. Oh, all right. It might be Loopy Manoop. I don't know. I'm so old. There's I'm a man banging on a trash can. I need to get into a Jumanji. I, I, that's what needs to happen. Mike, the Critics' Choice Documentary yes. Awards. We covered the nominees. Now we have winners to report on. Apollo 11 is the big champion of the night. Five wins, including... Best documentary feature. Who cares? Listen, <laughs> listen. I don't mean that to be pejorative about the, the critics' choice. Thanks I mean that for letting me give such an audacious. Well, I, I'm you know, just I'm very that. worried, okay. right? Because being the front runner at this point has been a death sentence, and I Not almost right. wish mm-hmm. Apollo Eleven didn't wasn't the front runner <laughs> just because of how they've been. Like I, we love Apollo Eleven. We we love the critics' choice documentary awards too. We think they're they're right here. Apollo Eleven should I be agree. celebrated. Yep. But if you look at the last couple of years. There's reason to be concerned about this. Won't You Be My Neighbor won it last year, snubbed at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Jane won it in 2017, snubbed at the Oscars. Not even nominated. O.J. Made in America won it in its first year, because this is the fourth uh, Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. But that was on a runaway train. That was winning everything. And also was responsible for changing the rules at the Academy for what a documentary feature is. True. So, it was that good. Exactly. Uh, and it was 87 hours of programming there. <laughs> um, there are some highlights, I think, to glean from this. Uh, the main story is Apollo 11 success, and hopefully the Academy gets it right for the first time in three years mm-hmm. by having the most important documentary of the year included as a nominee. Uh, the, the other stories, I would say American Factory is building itself a nice little resume here. Yep. Uh, Steve Bogner and Julia Reichert won here for Best Documentary Director, and the film also won Best Political Documentary. Is there any reason to think this isn't the number two right now as far as docs go? It's going to go head-to-head with, uh, I think, uh, One Child Nation, and I think it was Apollo 11 at the Gotham's. 
It's going to go with a couple of these major contenders yeah. at the Gotham's. we got to go back and look at that. But, you know, it beats One Child Nation here. And is that going to go back and forth? Yeah. Or is this the first instance of, you know, the Netflix train just really... I'm using a lot of train metaphors today for some <laughs> bizarre reason. So it's because I was talking about Snowpiercer with Andrew Morgan at the Nomcast. Oh, uh, I, see, I, I was... I guest hosted on that one, so I was going to say you saw Ford v Ferrari last night. So motor vehicles, motor vehicles, vehicles yes, you know, yes, yeah. we were preparing that as well. A one but track mind. <laughs> Netflix ironically had three nominees in this category, and they beat Amazon, Amazon or Amazon, yeah. and Showtime. Amazon continues to not have the uh, the greatest award success They're or greatest track record. Asking it a little bit yeah. though, probably. Well, they're certainly not going after anything major this year, unless I guess. The report does really well. I don't know. Maybe they're saving their, you know, their big swings at it for uh, One Child Nation come Oscar time because I do. That does feel like a best documentary feature winner in in past years. I, I could totally see that taking it home. I'm also happy for Maiden that won mm-hmm. the best uh, sports documentary. I don't think that can hurt its chances. That beat making... out the Maradona one though. You yeah. were very high on that. I probably like Maradona better, okay. but I, I do uh, enjoy Maiden. It was a little more boring, a little more vegetables than I thought it was gotcha. going to be. Even still, I mean, they had cameras on that boat back in the 80s, you know, race around the world. That's crazy. Uh, you know, spectacular yeah. there, which was incredible to, to see. So, and it's a good sports doc, for sure. Good, good. Glad to hear that. Uh, last note here about these Critics' Choice Doc Awards. We've highlighted previously your Honeyland a bunch of times as well. That also had success. It ended up winning Best First Documentary Feature by creators Tamara Kotevska. My apologies if I mispronounced that. And if I mispronounced that, I got no chance at this. Lobomir Stefanov. Uh, those are the creators there for Honeyland. Honeyland's doing well for itself. It's certainly getting a little momentum. I feel a little bit ashamed. So should you. We haven't watched that yet. It's on no, VOD yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, we got we to get to it. Next up, we have the Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild nominees, Michael. So, Best Contemporary Makeup. These are the nominees that were listed for this category with mm-hmm. this guild. Us, Bombshell, Hustlers, John Wick 3, and Endgame. I'm probably most happy about Us and probably most surprised about John Wick 3 of those listed. Where in John Wick 3 yeah. were, was great makeup? I, like, I, I love John Wick 3. It was 3. just Keanu's face. It's just like, the it's blood? so beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> this must be, uh, what is that called? Lip, not lip gloss. Airbrush. It yes, must be right, airbrush. Right. Somebody had to have done this up. This can't be made by men. Uh, it is worth noting, though, that that category, Best Contemporary Makeup, uh, since this guild's awards were brought back in 2013, they had kind of a hiatus for a couple years, but since they were brought back in 2013, only two of the 29 nominees listed over the previous six years they've held the awards have gone on to be nominated at all at the category of the Oscars. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, considering that I think this category at the Oscars, at least, they do have a bias toward period pieces. No doubt. And, you know, that that it's a category here as well. Uh there's also a different category that you're going to mention. Yeah, the category that does have some correlation with Oscars' success and certainly Oscars' gold is the category here of Best Special Effects Makeup for a Feature-Length Picture. Should this be allowed? Say that here? three times fast. Should this be allowed? I, I don't. Well, I don't understand. If it's special effects, why does it translate so well with Oscars' success? Because mm-hmm. Oscars, you don't think of... 
I mean, you think of contemporary makeup winners. You think of real physical makeup. Right. You think of goop. Right. <laughs> I agree. So it's a little surprising. I don't understand why there's a correlation, but there certainly is one. Goop uh, spread thin <laughs> along the face. You don't think of, you know, dots and Andy Serkis's right. making, doing accents. Each of the last three Oscar winners for hair and makeup uh, have first landed nomination here. And of those three, the last two, which were Vice and Darkest Hour, they ended up winning the category here first mm. uh, and before winning so on Oscar. Sunday as well. I guess it makes a little bit of sense because they're on the cusp uh, of, of the technolo technological breakthroughs sure. that they've been having. So like this year, you have Bombshell, Captain Marvel, It 2, Rocket Man, and The Irishman. The Irishman is the standout, and, and obviously, there because they have all the. Uh, and that the literally is special effects. That makes sense. Right. I don't understand what the special effects were on Bombshell's makeup. It just looks like great makeup. It does just look like great makeup. <laughs> so, but that that's also nominated in a couple categories in right. this show: uh, contemporary, like you said, and special effects. Of the previous eleven times this category, best special effects makeup for a feature-length film has been given out by this guild. The winner has made nomination at the Oscars every time except two times. So in 01 and 02, mm -hmm. the winners didn't make it. Every other time that this award has been given out, the winner of this category has ended up being nominated at the Oscars. Again, it kind of makes sense because you have, you know, talked about films in this category. You have Bombshell, Rocketman, and The Irishman. Yeah. I think those are... Makes you know, sense. Those are picks right. by a lot of pundits out here. Now, since they have three makeup categories and two hairstyling categories, I did want to mention which the you know landed nominees for both. You had Bombshell, Hustlers, John Wick, Joker, Rocket Man, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood getting nominees in the hairstyling and the makeup. So that I think that bodes well because these are combined for the sure. Oscars. Yeah, and the, the, some of those pick makes sense. Then you got. Films like Us, Maleficent 2, It 2, The Irishman, Endgame, and Captain Marvel, they only get makeup nods mm. in those three categories. So I think that the former have, you know, a better chance if you take the name of the category, but we've made fun of ourselves in the past yeah. for not knowing jack shit about this category. We're that's probably not gonna change. This is probably gonna be the last category that we figure out on this show. It's going to be bombshell. And if it's not bombshell, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> well, the winners are <laughs> sometimes the winners are obvious, but in terms of figuring out how the guild's gonna work. If we uh, do a category review for this, we'll be wearing fucking, we'll be wearing lipstick. You're just fucking cocky, aren't you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you think you got this one <laughs> already. Mike, the European Film Award nominations came out yes. as well. Not a lot of correlation, I was surprised to see this, but not a lot of correlation between success here right. and Academy recognition at the Oscars, at least as far as the international feature category goes. But for curiosity's sake, it is going to be interesting, I think, to see how something like Pain and Glory and Les Mis and Polanski's latest, unfortunately, match up against the favorite, which is included in this category. The favorite, obviously, from last year with Oscar success, some Oscar success. Right. So you did the fuller breakdown, but I did notice a few moments yeah, where are. they crossed over. Sure. I mean, they, they screwed up the artist, basically. That loses to Lars von Trier's Melancholia. And I know for some of our fans, they're like, no, they didn't screw that up. But I'm, I'm, in terms of, you know, getting the Oscar pick. Right. right. But on the other hand, Paolo Palakowski and Paolo Sorrentino, they've won here and then gotten nominated and won for the same yeah. movies at the Oscars. Uh, last year, Cold War was the, sure. the big headline from this award show. So... 
you know, if we see the traitor, if we see any of these nominees sweeping, mm. I think we should take note. We also have other names that we've talked about here previously for Sama and Honeyland. Again, those are nominated for Best Documentary Feature category uh, at the European Film Awards. People are saying, wait a minute, this is an international film. Why isn't Parasite mentioned? Well, again, European Film Awards, not right. all international. Yes, so. that's correct. I would be curious to see if Pain and Glory can get sure. a, have a big night out of it or or like you said Les Mis yeah. and that, that trailer looked great we it did it really it. did one of the more surprising trailers I think of this uh, of 2019 and the final award show today that we're going to discuss is the People's Choice Award winners Mike. yeah aka what the Academy wants to call the best most popular film everyone yay please watch our show how dare we even <laughs> include this award show in this segment, but we have to. Uh, Cole Sprouse won both the Drama Movie Star yeah, of the did. Year and the Male TV Star of the Year. Uh, in an unrelated story, for the first time in my life, I looked up Cole Sprouse on IMDb. Right. I always knew that kid from Big Daddy would be the death of me. And you got nothing on Cole Sprouse there, Joaquin, that, Leo. Did, did you watch uh, the, the, the Sweet Driver. Life thing they did? You have younger brothers. They did the Sweet Life on Deck. I think that was them. No, you were never my brothers were never. I that. was showing my youngest brother That's true, yeah. Matrix and Lord of the Rings and Bad Boys and stuff yeah. like that when he was younger. And he was scoffing at Disney-level <laughs> entertainment like Mighty Ducks and Hook. He's and been a Disney Scorsese show. fan since he was three. He's been a Scorsese because there's no other way around it. Like, right. I wasn't going to deal with that shit anymore. He's brother number f four. Yeah. So I already went through it with three bro other brothers. Right. And like, the you just Pokemon, can't. I was done with Pokemon exactly. at that stage. I got you. So yeah. he was either watching my stuff and becoming an evil man <laughs> in training, or he was watching another TV. You don't want Barney. You want Brewster's Millions, you see. He, he was. He was raised on Uncle Buck. And everything had to have an edge to it. I got gotcha. you. That's, that's understandable. I, I stand well, by Well, there, there is also a, quite the age difference between you and your youngest brother. 14 right? years. Yeah, so you, you were uh, well well advanced there to, to show him R-rated movies because that's what you wanted to watch. I'm a bad person right. and a bad older brother. I realize this now, but he turned out okay, thank God. Uh, getting back to the People's Choice Award, I don't know that there's a lot to glean uh, as far as correlation to the Academy other than a lot of people really liked Endgame. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people still like Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, but here's the thing. When Cole Sprouse and Adam Sandler mm -hmm. and Jennifer Aniston, who have not been known as Oscar magnets over the years. Previously, Sandler, maybe this year. Maybe this year. <laughs> maybe this year. But that doesn't help Endgame's case. Like, we are the big winner at an award show where no other Oscar people are yeah, essentially... No, it doesn't help with the Oscars chances, but it does help the imperative of it's got a lot of... I mean, again, I'll bring up Bohemian Rhapsody. People went to the movies and it helped its Oscars campaign. I still hate that this is the box we put Avengers Endgame in. Oh, yeah, me too. And now with all of the Scorsese controversies, everybody is what? I mean, where, where do we think of Avengers Endgame? Because after it came out, we had all the award season pundits that we respect. Uh, we're, we're saying that th this is going to get some best picture legs. Disney's going to campaign it hard in every category. You know, we can't sleep on Avengers Endgame. It wins the movie of 2019, best action movie in the male movie star in 2019 with Robert Downey Jr. here. And is everybody just saying, well, that's enough and it's the box office king of the universe? To me, that's terribly sad. I hope that's not the case. You could very much be right. I guess we'll remain to see. The only hope that I have that that's not going to be what happens is that Disney has released multiple lists of people and categories right. they are planning on campaigning for. 
It's going to be tough to ignore. Look, you could say it's a comic book movie. It's put all the kind of obstacles in the way that you want. It's going to be really tough to ignore the most popular film ever at the Academy Award. I mean, you can't just brush it aside. How can you ignore, ignore a film this good? Right. That is my opinion. Like, why are we nominating Bohemian Rhapsody as a quote unquote? Because we have to, you know, that's the popular film imperative of last year. Great teeth. That's some great teeth. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Avengers Endgame, if it was a sports, sporting event. And I know people get mad, you know, you can't, you know, compare the Oscars to sporting events. But in my opinion, to the goods delivered, to the feelings I felt, (laughs) Martin Scorsese, (laughs) to the feelings I felt, Avengers Endgame is the Super Bowl winner in the NFL, and Bohemian Rhapsody is an eighth grade football. Team. That's my opinion. <laughs> well, I'll say this too. I mean, maybe not talking disparagingly about Bohemian Rhapsody for once in my life. <laughs> I think if that needed to flourish to take something like Endgame more seriously, like if Remy Malik's award last year sure. that I don't think he should have won, frankly, Look but he you. won, if that you know needed to happen so we do get more legitimacy towards oh Endgame, Black Panther last year, if that happens, that's I'm okay with it. Wow, is your yeah. glass half full? I feel so sick today. I can't believe you just pulled the <laughs> silver lining on something. Like I, I, I made fun of you before the show started. Like you've been going to the dark side well, all week. Like look, you've been, you've been Ray yeah. with a red lightsaber for a while. If now. you want misery, we're about to talk about cats. <laughs> okay, here he comes. He's back. Cats will miss its award season deadlines, or will it? Uh, what do we yeah, have? Yeah, nobody's sure yet. Basically, it all. Everyone's assuming this is going to happen. Cats will not be uh, releasing their screeners in time to actually, ha- or holding screenings, to ha- be eligible for any award show. But the fact that we, and anyone, as Oscar pundits are addressing this at all is a little bizarre to me because there's been no indication whatsoever that this would be an Oscars player, to me, personally anyway. But regardless, the film is due out December 20th. The word from Universal is that it won't be finished until days prior to that. Alright, so, you're a f- you're a jerk, by the way, for, for one, because you didn't say these words to me <laughs> when I was predicting it at our 100% accurate Oscar. Well, nobody but knew. Nobody knew because we think of Cats, we think it's this glorious IP, right. right? We think it's that, you know, it's just conquered Broadway, it's been playing for a bajillion years, and basically they turn humans into cats, so the makeup's got to be good, Correct. Except it's all visual effectsy and and it's, yeah. and it's just been there's been nothing but tributes to the song Memory throughout the years. Yeah. And then you have Jennifer Hudson, who's won Best Original Song before, Best Supporting Actress before. And she's suppo- I think she's supposed to be singing with Taylor Swift in like, the songs. You have Tom Hooper. Yeah. Tom Hooper, who's had three films win Oscars. The King's Speech. This is his penance for the King's Speech, I think. Les Mis and the Danish Girl have (laughs) all won Oscars. He's been nominated a few times as well. I think he won one there. I should know this. But he's also been nominated for three Emmys. He won for the King's Speech, I'm pretty sure. Right. He's an awards season guy. He's one of those, you know, directors that if he puts out a movie, it's probably going to be in the mix, or at least you got to give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So I disagree with that opening statement, Counselor. Because I'm trying to defend myself. Well, here's the caveat. You're not wrong. You're not wrong My for having picked it. My eyes show insanity right now. Yeah, you're not wrong for having picked it because I, none of the negative publicity or press came out until that first trailer dropped. I don't like being this wrong. Well, <laughs> how could you have known is my point. I mean, people, you're absolutely right. People thought it was going to be an awards magnet. People were drawn to it. Of course, how could it fail? And then we see James Catenden. <laughs> I mean, it was it was horrifying. It's the horrifying. first look. It's a joke. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, so, I don't. 
don't think you were wrong for having picked it, but having seen what it was, once we saw that first trailer, for me, I was like, this can't be. All right, so I'm again, I'm on the defensive, but the Big Picture podcast, I've heard pundits still talking about the fact that there is still some concrete buzz. Which, sure. That might and be think, the worst metaphor I've ever made, but okay. <laughs> well, I think anything to do with, you know, a, a, an IP like this, and we're talking about a best original song as a category, then of course it's going to lend itself. Visual effects, it could lend itself, you know. So there's chances, sure. You could watch a reel of the VFX, if they're good right. at the end of the day, and we don't think they are, but you can listen to a three-minute song. And everybody can listen to a three-minute song right before the deadline. Can you see the whole movie? No, but I don't know if that branch necessarily cares. If that song by Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swift or whatever they're putting forward is a banger and it's topping the charts and they think it's popular and you want Jennifer Hudson singing at another Oscars, of course you do. Of if you course want you do, yeah. Taylor Swift singing at the Oscars, of course you do. Right. I wouldn't be shocked to see it squeak in with a, with a late break there. The but. only the only caveat and wonder or concern I have about that is that I wonder if you need to watch the entire like I wonder if the song needs to be in a screened version of the movie for it to be eligible. That I don't know off the top of my head. I was researching best original song eligibility this week, uh, ironically for us because we talk about that all the time. Correct. That song there, but the article from IndieWire that's suggesting all this is saying that New York film critics basically have already been told by Universal not to expect a screening of it prior to their last date for nominees on the 4th of December. So I think they're reckoning with all the problems with the trailer and the reception. I and would that, imagine that's exactly so, what they're yeah. doing. So they're probably trying to make it more believable looking, or maybe they're leaning into the silliness of it, and that could be a kind of fun thing. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I'm kind of intrigued about this movie. What would actually make you see this? If it gets 10% or 90%? Oh, that's an interesting question. Like, if it gets 40% and everybody's like, meh, all right, that's probably the... Right, right, that's we're the worst-case scenario. We'll never see that. I, but if it got 5% yeah, I think, or I 0%. Think a 10% or a 5%, it would intrigue me more than... Because I expect this to be liked, you uh -huh, know? I mean, uh -huh. it's a Christmas release, a musical adaptation. I would expect... This. So if everybody is down on it, that may draw me to the theater for it. Um, the 4th, ironically, is also the date that, that voting closes, or at least the final screening date that you can show or can screen a movie to be uh, eligible for Golden Globes nominating, even though that voting window doesn't close until a couple days later on the 6th. So, in all likelihood, if you go off what Universal has told critics, this is not going to be eligible for any major awards this year. I also am of the opinion that it's had its Oscars chance that its awards ship sailed. I don't think it matters. I think this is in the business to make money, like Mamma Mia was in sure. the business to make money. So I think all they care about is box office with this type of IP anyway. As soon as they learned it wasn't going to be best picture worthy and that trailer offended so many people, I think you, the studio probably just turned and said, let's just make money with it. From The Greatest Showman all the way back to Les Mis to the Mamma Mias. Yeah. Well, I don't remember when the Mamma Mias came out. Did they come out Christmas time? But there's been a sweet spot for musicals around Christmas time. It's been every an audience, single, certainly. Yeah. yeah, every single year. Yeah. They want that program programming every year during Christmas vacation, during the kids' Christmas vacation, and people have, you know, gone in droves. Yeah. And that Christmas week, like the greatest showman did an okay opening weekend. Mm -hmm. but it made bank every single day for like two weeks in a row because people were freed and they wanted to go see a musical, which is great music. Story be damned, whatever be damned. Great music will sell at this time of year, I think. This is me is a better song than Remember Me from Coco. <laughs> You still, still dying have that grudge. <laughs> I do think there's also an interesting take we could probably spend a couple minutes on if we wanted to. We probably won't right now, but just 
Is this good counter-programming to Star Wars? Because this is opening the same day as Star Wars. What if we labeled an episode The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> you know, made people think right. that we were reviewing Star Wars, uh -huh. dropped it at midnight, you know, the night of the first you know, opening <laughs> premiere to the public, just like Play we usually do, the intro. and then we just obnoxiously review Cats for two hours. How funny would that be? Would, are, would that be Andy Kaufman levels of cruel comedy? Or it's just us meowing into the microphone for an hour. <laughs> I wish that was, you know, an April 1st. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was an, our April 1st episode? Would people love us or hate us? Are we spiteful it? enough to do that? Yes. We are. We'll so, try any shit right stay now. Stay on your toes, people. <laughs> Disney has a campaign list, as you alluded to before, yeah. and it surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, to you. includes yeah. Robert Downey Jr. after all. I, I tip my cap to you, sir. You were right on. Go ahead. I, I'm shocked that they would take the Iron Man IP and do anything to suggest it's anything other than a leading property. And they're campaigning Robert Downey Jr. as a supporting actor. So good, to, good for you. Should we eat that poop? <laughs> Should we eat that poop around Burgundy? Look, I, I didn't go hard against you at the time. Yeah. And I, again, I, I get mad at myself because the predictions I usually have that are dead right, I, I become the beta male in this relationship. <laughs> I always back down to your guffawing. I do. And I should have stood up to you yep. then. And I wimped out. But I wanted this. And basically I whined on those episodes where I was like, they have to campaign Robert Downey Jr. Why wouldn't they in supporting actor? Because this is an ensemble. Category fraud be damned. If this movie's going to be taken seriously as an Oscars contender, Avengers Endgame needs to be at least campaigned in these categories. And I do think this is a worthy campaign. Just to leave Robert Downey Jr. at the cool kids table you know, in terms of Hollywood and not campaign him, that is, I mean, it might be decent business, I, I was upset by it, and yeah. I was offended by it, and I was very angry that, that Disney was doing it at the time because, again, Bohemian Rhapsody shouldn't be a popular <laughs> film that we nominate however a bajillion times over throughout award season. Avengers Endgame is ten times the movie. It's a difference between yeah. an A and a B-. minus. Yeah, and, and Disney's doing a smart thing with nominees here, too. They're... Mm -hmm. Saying they're going to campaign the entire movie, right? Like they, Brie Larson was listed as somebody they're going to campaign for best supporting actress, right? She had what three, four lines in this movie, so they're they're not they're they're taking all their talent sure. under those two categories, which is very smart, I think, from a business standpoint. Um, and look, supporting actor is kind of rounding into shape right now. I think we have yeah. like eight or nine names that it's oh, probably going to get in. You know, if Eddie Mur, if it's a narrative driven year, right? And which it is, because there's not a movie right now that's head and shoulders above the rest. So narratives are going to win the day. If it's a narrative-driven year, Robert Downey Jr. has a very similar case to Eddie Murphy. It's not as airtight, but it's a beloved guy, a redemption story. He has been the face of this Disney property that's made a bajillion dollars that pretty much rose or failed on his shoulders to start. He's got a great story. I think there's too many heavy hitters in that supporting actor category, at least. At there the are moment. Brad Pitt, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, yeah. Christian Bale. I mean, there's a lot of names. And, you know, looking at the Anthony movies, Hopkins, yeah. Are, is the Robert Downey Jr. performance head and shoulders above the rest? Other white people. Correct. <laughs> I, I don't know if he has the momentum. Eddie Murphy's campaigning and charming the pants off of people. And he's also, 
He's also going to have that track where he's going to be nominated at the Globes, you know, that's at true. the very least. That's true. So that's going to give him some bona fides. It's going to give him some resume happening here. So I, I would say Eddie Murphy's got a much stronger. Yeah, I, I agree. It's stronger. I, uh, the similarities is what I wanted to highlight. That there is, it is there because Marvel played games with this. Disney played games with this. This had to be Robert Downey Jr. after that third interview. Where he said, I don't even want to be nominated. I told him not to. He had to have gone back behind the scenes and been like, look, you sons of bitches. I've done everything for you for this property. I went behind the scenes and did this. All right? Because I, I have been. And I, who cares what Robert Downey Jr. said? He should have been. I mean, it's a great performance by him. He should be in everybody's top 15s, top 20s, right? I don't disagree. So yeah. he should be campaigned. That's the bottom line here. I think I think the movie's good enough. It's a tier one film, and and the performance by him in particular is good enough to be campaigned. And I was it was bugging the crap out of me that they weren't doing it. And if you talk about best popular film getting eyes on the program on a Disney Channel, having that guy from that yeah. property there, it's going to get a lot of people watching and I hoping agree. that Iron Man could bring home an Oscar. That'd be a that'd be good business for the Oscars and the Academy in general. I don't know if I'm rooting for it at this point. I, I think I would only root for it in the sense that I'd want to see Avengers Endgame get into Best Picture and get more than just... puzzle theory. Yeah, yeah I'd want to see, I want to see that movie get more than just VFX. Yeah, And I, I want to see Scorsese having to look across the aisle just, at the <laughs> Russo brothers. And it's not like, I just, I think that's good drama. I think that's, and I, I, I would like to see Scorsese actually watch that movie and change his mind. Because I think that movie is particularly good. And it actually does the things that he's complaining, you know, these theme park movies don't do. But uh, it does theme park movie stuff as well. Better than every other theme park movie ever has. Yeah, as long as uh, they can compete all they want. As long as Quentin Tarantino wins the day. <laughs> you who are dug in. <laughs> Mike, the Austrian Best International Film Entry, Joy, has also been disqualified from the International Feature category at the Oscars. That category is dropping like flies. We started with 93. We're down to 91 now. It got disqualified for having 66% of its dialogue in English. Here's something I've started to wonder. Mm -hmm. Do these films, we've had Joy and we've had Lionheart, do they want to be disqualified? And they, they oh. could want to be disqualified for a couple reasons. Okay. The obvious reason is publicity. Mm -hmm. You know, th th there's major stories sure. on both these movies, on the Hollywood Reporter, all the trades, all the film community is talking about it. Hell, we're talking about it. Yes. Now, Nigeria selected its very first film. Is, is it probable that they, you know, neglected to read the fine print or read the rule book? No, it's not probable, but can you see in its first year of existence where they didn't realize that that was an award or belligerently or whatever? I mean, the fact that they were trying to stand up to the, to the you know, the award show mm -hmm. and the rules and say, hey, we have a great film. We want it to be nominated no matter what. And they're trying to make a statement. Yeah. Make a statement. So I wonder if it's something where, you know, they're trying to take a stand against this, this ruling in the sense that, the Academy has sent mis messages too. Like they've changed the name of the category from best foreign language film to best international film. Yeah. So maybe they're confused that, you know, the ruling body would have disqualified this after changing the name of the category and therefore implying that we're trying to get away from the quote unquote language rule. Yeah. It, that's. A fascinating point. Are, are they doing this knowing they're going to be disqualified to highlight the inaccuracies with the rule? 
Uh, and it's certainly, I mean, we brought up the last time we talked about how when Joy was disqualified a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Ava DuVernay got very upset talking about, well, how can you disqualify something that's having a picture in its own nation's, the, the official language of the nation? Right. Uh, you know, so, uh, God, I mean, that'd be like next level thinking. I don't know that I'd buy it, but it's certainly possible. Sure, why Anybody not? Anybody has next level thinking, it's Ava DuVernay. That's for sure. And she's making moves for the Nigerian film world. Yeah. That's awesome. Look, I, I think in this particular case, by the rules, it makes sense. And again, we talked about uh, on the last show why those rules are probably in place. Because I do think studios would, you know, somehow find a loophole where they... But they're gonna anyway. And again, I default to controversy is a good thing for the Oscars. I, right. But I just don't want to see the good liar, which is a 60 percenter which has major studio might behind it, somehow I don't think that follows the rules yeah, of international production, and then that is, you know, in the shortlist one year, knocking somebody else out. I understand your concern, and you're, I mean, absolutely the studios would try something. At but least I the would language like to barrier. think this widening and diversified academy is going to be privy to any kind of nefarious underhand. They should like use that. their common sense. Right, Again, exactly. The common sense here is if this is a great movie exactly. and it's truly an international right. production, just let it be. Silly. Get that rule out Silliness. of there. Silliness. Silliness. Uh, we'll move on. We're covering some Oscar trailers that we had today. We got our second look at a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Michael. Gosh diddly darn it, Michael. <laughs> this looks adorable. I was emotionally moved mm. like 30 seconds into the second trailer after I've seen the first trailer a hundred times before every single movie I see on my A-list. We studied the heck out of Won't You Be My Neighbor last year, and yet just watching this trailer makes me try not to s curse, to say profanity, to be mean to uh, my, my fellow man. Because How's that working out for you? Well, it's a hit and miss. <laughs> I've been pretty mean to you lately. Maso menos. <laughs> this movie seems irresistible. It does. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job marketing it. I also saw there was a hospital in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, where I think Mr. Rogers is from, that is dressing up the newborn babies yeah. for World Kindness Day in the red sweaters. You've been obsessed with the red sweater epidemic that's happening out there right now, because it was a Halloween tweet that you made because it was a Halloween when, costume. Yeah, when they gave, uh, when this picture was giving their screeners to certain critics, they mm -hmm. would pack a red sweater into it. I mean, they're, they're giving it away. So it's very, I like the marketing that they're doing for this. The film itself, I mean, this trailer, I echo everything you say. It's part of the marketing. It looks irresistible. It looks charming as hell. I've seen wildly divisive right, right. takes on the movie from people who've seen it already. Which is disturbing to me. But it doesn't line up with the murmur factor. After true. every yeah, trailer, that's true. after every trailer in the theaters, there's a murmur factor, and it's usually from the old people. Yeah, it's usually from the loud people. But they're like, "That just looks wonderful." It does, yeah. They're and they're you, absolutely right. You so. hear that in literally every screening you go to. So I, I do think it's going to make some money, or at least I don't know. I'm, I'm judging the murmur factor for the first time, or maybe the and second time. And it's tough to doubt not only Tom Hanks but Mariel Heller too, who's who's yeah. just who can make a great movie. It's certainly packed with impactful dialogue. So I'm still curious, and if Tom Hanks is if this is an awards worthy movie, he's another guy you could throw into that supporting actor category. From everything mm -hmm. we've heard, it doesn't sound like Mr. Rogers is the main character in a movie titled Won't You Be My Neighbor or Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Makes no sense to me, but okay. Yeah, this is inspired by Tom Junod's article in Esquire from way back, Can You Say Hero? Question mark. And I guess Tom Junod is the main character in this yeah, story. Matthew Reese character. Matthew Reese there from the Americans. 
to me, it's moving me. Again, I, I want to see Mr. Rogers fix this man. I want to see that. And I love I love the fact that in this world, we're getting a Mr. Rogers movie every year. Maybe that's what this world needs, Michael, is a Mr. Rogers movie every single year until reality doesn't suck anymore. So we're going to have Mr. Rogers movies once a year until Please. we're all happy. And then once we reach peak happiness, like it's the 60s again, then we could start with the Trump <laughs> biopics. Then there could be the next, yeah, <laughs> the Hitchcock. The next Hitchcock can make a Hitchcock movie every year. Then we, we our life is too good for you baby boomers. <laughs> out there having so much sex and having so many babies and so much industry and so much prosperity we need to you know make you know cut you down a packet of vintage age and suspense and horror naturally that's right. just the natural order of things i get it saberg had its first look michael our first trailer look at that Kristen stewart going to play uh, this this gene seberg character a fascinating biopic fascinating look I'm surprised. I'm not all that familiar with Gene Seberg. And I, I wasn't either before. Yeah, I've only seen research. her in Breathless. There, I remember that film more for its audacity of having like a 20 minute bedside dialogue scene. Hmm. Literally 20 minutes. That was really good. Okay, good. It's really good. Not familiar with it, but good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't have a lot going into this movie. This trailer was fantastic, and I'm very upset by the critical scores Same and the here. festival reactions because it doesn't match up with how well-constructed this trailer is. I mean, it's got all this intrigue with the FBI on her case, yep. with some great actors you know, playing FBI agents there, and then she's you know, uh, working her way into these, these movements, these political movements. But we have 42% on 26 reviews in Rotten Tomatoes. We have a 5.5 IMDb rating. We have a 58 meta score. That's not good enough. That that really makes me sad. Yeah, same here. It debuted in Venice earlier this year. Uh, it does have a loaded cast as well. Not only Kristen Stewart, who's playing the titular character, but Jack O'Connell, Anthony Mackie, Margaret Qualley, Colm Meany, Zazzy Beats, Vince Vaughn. But again, it's Amazon. Amazon is not having a great year. They're having a rough year. They're supposed to be goldfinching it up right now. And <laughs> that didn't happen for them. And, I, yeah, I, you could see that they're looking at this as an awards potential film, pre, you know, premiering it at Venice, which is a costly film festival yeah. to go to from studios. We saw that in the trades this year, how much they're having to spend to put it out there. But you'll wonder if there's an outside chance that Kristen Stewart can gain some momentum. Right now, a lot of people still haven't seen this film in terms of the punditry. True. Feinberg has it on his st still to see list, so you never know. Maybe she could be a late break campaign if it gets a reputation okay it's a mediocre movie like at eternity's gate or roman j israel but you have a great performance in mediocre there. you said what's that mediocre <laughs> <laughs> okay less than mediocre less than stellar let's just say uh your point is well taken regardless of this it's just another rep for Kristen stewart to like dip her toe in awards i mean it's a matter of time she's been with this girl on that Oscar she door. is phenomenal Bro, in everything. Well, I mean, we respect the hell out of her. I yeah. didn't like her early in her, her career. Yeah. I did not. I, I mean, she played these abrasive characters, too. So it was just like, oh, I just... Well, the media was the same way with her because right. she happens to be a little reclusive and not love being a celebrity. And that's she just wants to make movies. Mean of, yeah, I mean, looking back at it now, looking back at her career now, that was like mean of me or judgmental of, course, of, yeah. of all of us in yeah. a way. And what she's been able to do, put out a terrific film every year and a terrific performance or two every year... She's just, she's won me over perhaps more so than Robert Pattinson. And she's certainly 
exposed more of herself. She's gotten more comfortable with the idea of being in the limelight. She's talked recently. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it was. I saw the headline. She talked recently about the Robert Pattinson relationship. She just was on that show, Hot Ones, which I think is the single hmm. greatest interview show oh, we have in 2019. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Uh, she was just on that, and she was really opening up and having a fun time there. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to good, do her well, but you're right. We were all dicks for judging her beforehand anyway. Definitely going to make the case for a few movies now. Mike. All right, so this is the part where Micah in all his watching that he has done. He has seen a couple other things that are maybe awards contenders, maybe kind of uh, swimming in the shallow end right now of the Oscars pool. He's going to either make the case for or against them, and we will kind of poke holes in his argument and see how he holds up to them, and if this is really something that can be considered come award season time. So, Mike, what is the first movie? I talked about One Child Nation a bunch that uh, premiered on Amazon Prime last week, and I, I caught it. It feels like an Oscar contender. You're for very, very high on this documentary feature. And every year, if you fear government propaganda and the effect it has on its citizenry, mm. and you want to see a bunch of interviews with people who kind of, in a weird way, they all say the same thing, and that's what the movie, you know, puts forward. They're all saying the same thing. Like, what can we do? What can we do? And th- th- I mean, that's just a starting point for this film. To actually show the effect that it had on families, this one-child policy in China for so many years, does does it make the case that you know there was a reason for that policy because of famines, because of et cetera, et cetera? Right. Does it make that balanced case? No, it's not trying to. So, so it's, it's, it's a case yeah. against it. Okay. But I, I think in terms of a documentary that uh, I'm watching every f- winter. You know, basically, that's because it's nominated for an right. Oscar. This feels it's quacking like goes a right in line. And again, a biased documentary filmmaking is not a insulting statement. I mean, that's where a lot of these winners are biased or slanted documentaries, right. propaganda pieces, however you want to phrase them. So let's match it up to uh, what that was in the best documentary feature category from last year. Free Solo, obviously, won head to head. This or Free Solo? Oh, Free Solo. Sorry. Uh, what about Mining the Gap, which was another one that was nominated? Mining the Gap worked as a personal story better than this one. Okay. I had some issues with that one is that like we're, we're really just hanging out with a domestic abuser. Mm. It's so it's tough to watch. Yeah, I didn't see that. God, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, it's bothering me. Yeah, like, understandable. Well, may I get, I mean, you humanize everybody, but he's beating the shit out of his girlfriend. Jesus the Christ. The whole movie. It, it's rough. It's just a tough watch. In terms of RBG, I mean, that's a polished biopic, but this is a polished issue movie. And they're both, I mean, I, having not seen One Child Nation yet, I, I plan on getting around to it, but RBG certainly was a slanted documentary. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so it was, it this sounds like it's, it's, yeah. a little, it's a little at least comparative to what One Child Nation is. I do taking think a stand. this kind of exists as a, personal story as well for the for the filmmaker who puts herself right. in you know in the film as a, as someone who's making a statement so it's very clear in that regard is there enough mystery involved perhaps not I, and i think they're going for that that slant because they have these you know two american characters who kind of are, are in the business of tracking down these kids who've been adopted mm-hmm. into you know american families tracking down their ancestry I think they're going for more of the mystery angle, and that didn't really hit for me. It still, it still really works, and it's a, it's an emotional movie. Is it a? You say it's a. Is it a reflection of the filmmaker's own life, or is it just because she was doing more of an investigative type? No, thing? she's doing. She's a Chinese American, right? And I think her parents immigrated, so she's not necessarily an adopted Chinese American. Okay. I don't think. Maybe I got that wrong, I, but. Uh, I, I'm curious to watch it again. It's like one of those movies I, I probably will put on again before award season. All right, that's the first one. What's the next movie you're going to talk about here? I'm going to make the case against Burning Cane. This because was, you hate teenage phenomenons? 
I am a little jealous. There's no question about it. And maybe human nature is overcoming me at this moment because 19-year-old phenom, Wunderkind, yeah. Philip Eumanns is directing this film. He's directing talents like Wendell Pierce. Yeah. He's directing this for Netflix. He's directing this to a Tribeca Film Festival win. He, the man is just burst onto the scene, and we're going to have to reckon with him for years to come because of his talent on display. And he makes some terrific choices in this. Like, there's strange camera angles. There's interesting narrative choices. There's voiceover when you don't think there should be voiceover, and then there's voiceover that goes a long time. He's got some Terrence Malick to his game, and I'm really wow. excited about that with, it, with, with this kind of story. Maybe I can watch this again, but it's so boring, and it's an hour... And 19 minutes or 17 minutes, whatever the runtime mm -hmm. was, it's a short ass movie that just, I am like looking down, I'm looking away. Like, I don't, I mean, that's a me problem, perhaps. And Malik is probably a fair comparison, though, because, you know, he doesn't do 77 minute movies, but he has been accused of languishing a little in scenes, certainly. I, I also have some religious baggage going in. Sure. And so I'm wondering if I was like, you know, trying to keep this movie at arm's length Brought on that me. With you, yeah. you know, the trailer was a rough watch. He's giving the kid alcohol in the trailer. It was tough to deal with. But regardless of any kind of shortcomings you have, while you don't think it's an Oscar, especially this year is a loaded year for any it's kind of It's not an Oscar movie. contender, period. But you see the talent with the director. You see here. the talent. You're going to see him pop up in award season stories because that first direct, you know, that first feature, all those awards shows that do that yeah. are going to have him involved or at least has a contender here. And rightfully so because of the, you know, the technique and the craft on display can you remember just like six seven years ago when the narrative was where's the next great american filmmaker <laughs> and now we're just fl i mean we got 19 year olds coming out with full-length feature movies that Amazing. are uh, winning tribeca film can Festival you remember Awards. when we were gushing over a 30 year old damien chazelle <laughs> look at this dude 19 19 what were we doing at yeah. 19 well not this we're idiots drinking a lot yeah uh, all right what's the next movie mike so two short films all right uh, on netflix that finally, I mean, I've go, I went through like nine documentary short subjects. Yeah, you've been killing them in that category. But because they're easy. They're trying to just pick off right. here and there. If I don't have two hours, I can watch 30-minute films. Fire in Paradise is the very first that I think, you know, based on what we've seen the last few years, documentary short sub subjects getting nominated, this feels like one of those. Now, this is longer. This is 40 minutes about the California wildfire known as the quote-unquote campfire. Unbelievable. I was so emotional watching I'm this. Sure. Like I sure. It just, my heart was in my throat, Michael. I had the suds in the back of my throat because I'm trying not to cry because I'm watching these people's lives be ripped apart, watching their, you know, loved ones, or them talk about their loved ones Ugh. being in peril. And my goodness, this was just harrowing, harrowing stuff. They had all the footage from the fire. They had the footage of the school buses driving through and what looked like a hellscape. And God. this scared the ever-living shit out of me. And it's just that effective as a documentary because of all the perspectives. I want to say, too, for the documentary short subject, I mean, I, I they kind of get overlooked sometimes, especially with the general public probably maybe doesn't have access to them or whatever the reason is. 
the documentary short subject last year was fascinating. They had a lot of great stories, and there's usually a lot of great stories that are told in very concise filmmaking format. I mean, the only thing that makes it kind of a documentary short, if you go by the Oscars rules, I think it's got to be less than 40 minutes, something like that. This so, was like 39 right. minutes, so, so they're pushing it, but it, it's really It doesn't good. mean they're not cinematic events, and like you just attested to, it doesn't mean they're not moving pieces of cinema. If you can handle it, I, I would recommend this movie, no question. The other one I would recommend, and this is much easier watch, it's a 19-minute film, I think. It's Little Miss Sumo, about a female sumo wrestler. Yeah. It's about the female sumo sport in, in general, sure. and, and I just loved it. It's, it works as a sports movie. It works as a character study. It, again, made me very, very emotional because you're following her at this worldwide tournament. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I want to watch it again. I want to show this one to people. I liked it so much. Now, it's dubbed on Netflix, which I think it, it actually helped me watch it. Okay. So it's a little strange to have a dubbed movie nowadays. Usually it's just subtitled. Sure. Still, I, I really enjoyed this. And what a sport that is. I mean, these are offensive guards oh, yeah. going against offensive tackles. And With it's the incredible. agility of ballet, you know? I mean, they're light on their feet, too. What for great how massive athletes they are. they are, the size of these people. And they have to work for their size. They're like literal NFL guys who it's not easy being six foot six, three 340 pounds <laughs> because they have to make sure they're eating the calories every day to, yeah. to remain that. You watch offensive linemen retire from the NFL and then you get skinny Shrink. all of a sudden. Yeah. It's just they, st they stop eating at those amounts. Of course they can. And of course they must. Otherwise, they're probably dying like Andre the Giant age. Poor, poor people. All right. So one more to finish up with here and Make the Case, Michael. On Disney Plus right now, we have Float. This Not is familiar the, with it. What is that? This, this is the Pixar entry for Best Animated Short Film. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm kind of making the case against it because it's not half as good as Bao. It's not as good. <laughs> well, Bao as... was charming as hell. Bao made me cry. Yeah, Bao was amazing. Man. As a grown-ass man. <laughs> That's I... another feather in the cap of these shorts, by the way. We took our moms, or at least we took my mom to Incredibles, or were you with me? But uh, I it was took just my us, mom. Yeah, yeah. I took my mom to Incredibles too. And I'm literally sitting there, not uh, trying not to cry next to my mother, in front, well, you know, why, with this mother-son story, yeah. watching this dumpling metaphor that <laughs> somehow works beautifully. <laughs> Float is is a much simpler storyline. It's adorable though. It's well animated. I kind of want at the end of the day five films to be better than this. Okay. But I won't begrudge this if it's one of the best or best five short films that were animated this year. So Basically, what you're saying is just nominate Bao again. Nominate Bao 2. <laughs> Make me a Bao 2. Make it a mother-daughter story or a father-daughter story this time. I will go in for that. But it's not as good as other Pixar shorts, but it's seven minutes. It's on Disney+. Plus. Totally worth the watch. Do you, do you dove in? Did Disney Plus work right away for you or no? I'm going to go into it on MMOW. Okay. Can I tease yeah, MMOW? Because no, I that's watched good. a bunch of stuff. I have pros and cons. The pro, though, is Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Well, that's gotten that's praise really all funny. over the internet. You are fun, certainly man. not alone there. All the Star Wars goods. Yeah, I hear you. I, I'll, I'll go into it more on our, uh, you know, I think Tuesday episode, like we said. Yeah, sounds about right. Well, you heard Mike make the case in a lot of different categories here, and we obviously, all, as always, want to know your thoughts against them. I mean, do you agree with him? Do you think he's missing something? We want to hear from you. And we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about everything else here we do, whether it's in Oscar Race Checkpoint, whether it's in MMO Weekly, anything else we do here in the MMO Empire, any of our reviews, uh, you can certainly get at us. We love hearing and interacting with you guys. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. 
com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you go on Apple Podcasts, if you own an iPhone, if you happen to use iTunes, if you can go on that podcast app, that little purple square with a white... Uh, bow sticking out of the middle of it you can tap on that type in mike mike and oscar into the search tap on our logo scroll down once and you'll see the opportunity to tap and leave us five star review we are trying to collect as many of those as we can yes so please uh if you wouldn't mind doing that and maybe telling a friend or two to do so as well michael what is coming next you already teased mmo weekly will probably be out tuesday this week uh what is coming next from mmo otherwise and what are some words of wisdom to end this episode on so we're going to record ford v ferrari that osp with a guest this weekend and we're yeah. probably going to put that out before we put out MMOW, we yeah. think. Uh, we got another guest that's going to be lined up where you're going to interview her, which is very exciting, we hope, we think, at the end of next week. We don't know when we'll be dropping that. Correct. As you say, MMOW, Oscar Race Checkpoint, we're not going to stop. Those two awesome shows that you keep clicking on, we really appreciate it. We got... Oscar Sprint profiles and movie events coming throughout the fall. It is a loaded fall. We got a lot of guest hosts involved, but we're going to have a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Frozen 2, we think, we hope. Knives <laughs> Out, we think, we hope. Have some guests on them, and we're really excited for those reviews. I do think it's wise to point out that, you know, we've been trading guest spots, and I've been going on other shows. Yeah, you've been killing it. And I have things lined up. And for the second time, I went on the Nomcast. You're basically a co-host of two shows at this point. No, I, I just think, <laughs> you know, Andrew and I really hit it off. Good, we reviewed good. The Laundromat at the beginning of the month for Netflix there. This is the Netflix Original Movies Podcast, so it's wise to check out my review of The Laundromat. But two nights ago, we recorded it, and last night, he launched the episode of our review of Okja because of Parasite Mania, so it was really cool. We had this kind of conversation that weaved in and out of Bong Joon-ho's filmography of Okja and that review, which mm. is a spoiler review, to be fair. Uh, but it was a lot of fun reviewing Okja again and going back, and I think I liked it more upon rewatch after... It's a great you, you know, you thought it was great, yeah. and I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I think... I respect it much more. But we also talked about Parasite and the Oscar chances there. So if you can't get enough of our Parasite coverage, there I was with Andrew having fun. Probably more positive with you and Andrew than it was with you and me, huh? I definitely didn't have to step through as many landmines because he really liked <laughs> Parasite. So if you're just a you know a lover of Parasite, right? If that's you're a big fan, space. You want, you, if you need an echo chamber and to live in a sheltered world. <laughs> No, yeah, definitely, definitely, go check out, definitely go check out the non-guests. <laughs> Andrew's doing a great job, and also Mike's doing a great job with all these rotating guest spots that he's been getting to. Uh, like Mike said, we're going to have a bunch of guest spots coming on our show as well. We're prepping for those. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, we hopefully have enough for you to come and watch movies and listen to interviews and do all this fun stuff with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.